Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Michael. Here's the deal. 16 million sounds like a lot of money, correct? Yes. But is it really? I mean, I guess it depends on whose perspective you're looking at. Right. Are we talking about an individual, a business, government? Those all play a factor. Correct. And then is it Jeff Bezos? Is it, you know, the the village of Norton Shores? Are we a village, township? No, village? City? I have no idea. I think we're a city of Norton Shores. I think we're a city because we have a post office. We've upgraded? Well, we got the post office, but it's in a liquor store. I think that's how we became a city. I'll take it. But is it Jeff Bezos? Is it a tiny little city that's basically a village? Or is it the metropolitan area of Detroit? I don't know. It all depends on the perspective. Einstein said it best, theory of relativity. Pretty sure that didn't apply here, but I'm going to go with it. Welcome to Fireproof Your Finances, a show with 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duo with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard deviation, I mean, I would talk about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in. Okay, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event. This philosophy has led Michael to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best, to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa. Hello, everyone. What are you doing over there? I don't know. I'm warm. It's 85 degrees in here still. That's your fault. It is not my fault. I'm not the one that had to keep the nest. I'm just saying, anytime you're in the room, it's hot. Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have birds now, by the way. I think they hatched after we recorded last week. Oh, they hadn't recorded yet. What? Hadn't hatched yet. Correct. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know birds could record, but no, they had not hatched yet. So we have three little baby birds. Hmm. Yes. Well, and it looked like it was only going to be two, and then there was the late uh, bloomer. Correct. And the mother is even more aggressive than ever. We should call the one that came late Millennial. Why? I don't know. Because they're always late to the party. Sounded good. All right. So let's get into the show today. We're going to talk about a few things today. Let's start with what we opened or the opener, which was, is $16 million a lot of money? Correct. And the answer is actually very simple. It depends. What are you comparing it to? Before I get to there, let me, something that I've been kind of harping on our team at our office. And let me preface this or first say, I have absolutely done this myself. Correct. I just noticed that it's a double standard. Right. And we got to get away from this. And when I say, do you believe in double standards? Probably everyone listening right now says no. Right. 
Now, here's one of the things I started noticing with um, a lot of my clients. They get upset when people refer to President Trump as Trump. Right. Or the Donald or just Donald. Right. I've even seen people make a face when they ask, so what's your duck's name? Because the duck's been at the office. Right. And I go, Donald. And some people almost immediately are like, you named him after the president. It just seems like you see that facial you know, Anger. response. And then they're like, aha, Donald Duck. Right. Except for, let's be for real, you still named him Donald after the president. No, I didn't. <laughs> I liked Donald Duck. But how many, I mean, maybe if you're listening, you're not in that camp where you get upset by it. Right. But I'll bet how many people listening right now at least know somebody who would get upset if they turned on CNN and they heard the president being referred to as Donald or just Trump. Right. A lot. A lot. Probably everybody listening at least knows some people who would be upset. Correct. But yet, and let me say this again, I am absolutely somebody who has done this. Right. Are you? Yes. Yet, when we refer to somebody else, let's say our governor, how many of you just say Whitmer or the, the you know, the one that Gretchen. I, uh, people don't even use that. They say or Gretch. Yeah, that's true. So in our office, we've started started kind of correcting each other, not clients, but each other. It's Governor Whitmer. It's President Trump. Right. You can't ask for respect and then not give it. Yes. And one of the arguments I'm hearing about that right now, though, is, well, there's no respect on the other side. All right, cool. I'm sorry. Is what good is what's good for the goose good for the gander? Because yeah, where in, where else in your life have you said, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to adhere to the lowest denominator. Right. Everyone cheats on their taxes. Do you? Yeah, the lowest standard is good enough for me, so. Probably very few places in your life do you apply that that basis. Right. Yet, for some reason right now, we're doing it in politics. If we want people to get better at this, I want, then we're going to talk a little bit about a monetary thing that has to do with politics. That's, I guess, what got us on this, this trail. But there was a time, and I think we need to get back there, where we could have opposing political views we could have opposing views about anything religious views even but you could have a respectful conversation with somebody who doesn't believe the same thing that you do and you know what was cool when we could have those constructive discussions is that maybe we had a problem in front of us and i came with a solution and here's what i thought we should do you came with a solution here's what you thought we should do and we came away with a solution that was better than what either of us would have thought and that's important. When I say we come away because we put our heads together mm-hmm. with a solution that's better than what either of us would have come up with individually. Right. That's not a compromise. No, it's coming up with a solution to a problem that, quite frankly, you all want to solve together anyway. Because a couple of years ago, I guess it's been more than a couple at this point, you got mad when I taught our daughter the definition of compromise. Yeah, because who does she try and use it on the most now? <laughs> But when, but when I said compromise is when neither of you get what you want and both of you leave unhappy, you weren't too happy about that. True. And that's, you know, we don't need to compromise. We need to come to the table 
together open-mindedly and come up with better solutions together. Correct. Because here's the thing. I talk to people about this stuff all the time. And the reality is this, we're not that different. Now, there's people on the ends. Like take 10 or 15% on the left and 10 to 15 on the right. But that still leaves 80, 70 to 80% of us in the middle. We should put all those... 10 to 15% on either side and put them on an island and see what happens. <laughs> Social experimentation at its finest. <laughs> the Hunger Games, real life. That's probably what it would turn into. <laughs> but people, you know what? You, you say that we laugh. It's absolutely true. People just go off on tirades now. About nothing. And even if it is. And then they're mad that people don't have respect. You know you have to give it to get it. I guess that's all I want to say about that. So let's go into the CARES Act. So is $16 million a lot of money? The answer is, it all depends. Right. So I stumbled upon, or I saw it in a headline today, that the state of Michigan is suing, um, what's the... Betsy DeVos. Yeah, I, I don't... Is that really that they're suing Betsy DeVos or they're suing the whatever department of the department of education probably the department of education there we go although oh and right here so it says governor governor gretchen whitmore and attorney general dana nessel on tuesday announced michigan was spearheading a lawsuit against the u.s department of education and education secretary betsy devos over the distribution of funding under a federal coronavirus relief package mm-hmm. um how much did Michigan? Let's let's go to this. So I'm just so you you know that I'm not pulling this, you know, out of thin air. This We're, is on Michigan.gov. Yeah, it's in Mich- the coronavirus section. It's their site. It's their press release. Yeah. How much exactly is Michigan Department of Education going to get from the CARES Act? Three hundred and eighty-nine million seven hundred ninety-six thousand nine hundred eighty-four. Is it okay if we round that up? Can we call it three hundred ninety million? That's what they did at the top of the article. That's why I was wondering why you wanted the exact number. So we can call it three hundred ninety million. Yes. Hmm. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to discuss this lawsuit. I'm going to break down, or we are going to break down. Is sixteen million a lot? And we'll see. Let's take our first break. We'll be right back. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to grmusiclessons.com. That's grmusiclessons.com. Welcome back, everybody, to segment two of Fireproof Your Finances. Join us on Twitter. Hey, we're nearing 200. At Fireproof Show on Twitter. Dot com. Yep. Although, I do have to say, not very happy with Twitter right now. Why? Because it woke up Monday. Was it Monday morning or yesterday morning? No idea. Monday morning to a notice that said China has the bubonic plague (laughs) really it's a Monday morning I really did not want to hear that to start my week off especially because when you look when you wake up you look like you have the bubonic plague and you treat people like they have 
the you're looking at me right now like I Thanks. have the bubonic plague. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to the article. It, this was on M Live. Title was Michigan sues U.S. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos over school coronavirus funds. Correct. Now, here's what got me. So there's two things. As you scroll through this, uh, here, where is it? All right, right there. Uh, State Superintendent Michael Rice said the move, which was something that got passed as part of that law, diverted $16 million from Michigan public schools in favor of private ones. Well, hold on. The rule, by the way, is the CARES Act. Correct. So, but... Yeah, so because right here, the CARES Act is a special, this is from Secretary DeVos, the CARES Act is a special pandemic-related appropriation to benefit all American students, teachers, and families impacted by coronavirus. There's nothing in the law Congress passed that would allow districts to discriminate against children and teachers based on private school attendance and employment. But here's something politicians do, and this is on both sides of the aisle. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I've seen it. You've heard it. And it's very infuriating, actually. Read this statement. Right. This and don't and, well, hold on, because I don't want it to be political. Don't say who said it. Okay. It said that it is. This person said it's time to hold DeVos accountable. And students have missed out on graduations and proms, and seeing their friends at school every day. They've done their part to protect one another. Now it's time for the federal government to do their part. All right, let's stop there. Let's work this backwards. I used to research properties, um, find them uh, as like a summer job for mm-hmm. one of my dad's businesses. And yep. there's something called a parcel number, okay? Yeah. And those parcel numbers, and then it comes with a legal description. And the legal description is the stupidest thing on earth. It's like the uh, one one quarter mile off the southwest corner of the blah, 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 blah. And it's a paragraph long. to tell. Like, why doesn't it just say... 132 East Elm Street. Because that's no, 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 too don't, don't easy. get yeah. So here's how I was taught to read a uh, property description, a legal property description. You start backwards. So let's do that here. Now it's time for the federal government to do their part. Right. How much did Michigan get? 390 million. 389 million 796 thousand 984 dollars. Correct. So if when we said earlier, $16 million a lot, and we said kind of, if you were kind of yelling at the radio, be like, I can't believe you're one of those people who say $16 million is not a lot of money. Look at work and go, well, I'm going to tell you what's a lot more than $16 million. $389,796,984. Correct. So. I think, and I was just looking at this while you were going on your tirade. That wasn't that big of one. Yeah. I think something that actually irks me more is the quote by a different person that says, unfortunately, this most recent action by Secretary DeVos is really just another example of a long history of an administration that uses any and every opportunity available to tip the scales in favor of private schools at the great expense of our public schools. You're telling me that less than 5% of that aid money is tipping the scales towards private schools. I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of scale. Maybe the scale is broken. Like our scale and our bathroom is broken because it keeps telling me that I'm like 10 pounds heavier now than when COVID started. But it is literally less than 5% of the money given is being given to 
private schools, and you're telling me that that's tipping a scale mm-hmm. in their direction? So let's let's keep working backwards. So now is the time for the federal government to do their part. Did they do their part? There's 390 million that came into this fund Correct. for Michigan. They did their part. Right. Next, students. Uh, yeah, I guess you got to put these two together. They said, well, it's saying students have done their part to protect one another. Yeah. Well, is that just public school students? No. No, no. Let's not just come to a conclusion. What scenario could we say private school students haven't done their part to protect one another? You could say, I mean. I mean, I can think of our daughter who hugged everyone on her way out of school when they shut down and I picked her up. School shutting down for a virus and our kids running around hugging and kissing everyone. Uh, she That's didn't, great. She didn't kiss. but I know. I was being, everyone. It was, it was like, an exaggeration. There's the janitor. I'm going to miss you, Mr. Blah, blah, blah. Right. So I can't think of any way you could say that private schools... that. A private school student hasn't done or did anything differently or did anything um, to a lesser degree to protect Correct. other or people. Or even a negative degree. Right. Okay. It's not like private school kids were out running around doing whatever they wanted. And neither were public. We're not Correct. making... No, yeah. no, no, no. I'm just saying there's no, there's no clear indication that there was a difference in how things were handled. Yep. So let's keep working backwards here. Students have missed out on graduations and proms and seeing their friends at school every day mm-hmm. is that and when we say students is that any different no. or, or th- that's just public school students right only public school students missed out on graduations proms and seeing their friends at school every day no you're telling me private school students also had those issues correct what about charter school students we didn't say that have charter school students missed graduation proms and seeing their friends yes do did they do their part to protect one another Yes, they did. Hmm. What I hate about statements like this, and the reason I don't want to say the person who said it, because it's irrelevant, it, we politicize some of this stuff. How does that have anything, you know, the end, here's the thing. If I read that, okay, take away everything I've said so far, I want you to just hear this one quote. Students have missed out on graduations and proms and seeing their friends at school every day. They've done their part to protect one another. Now it's time for the federal government to do their part. How many people go, no, it's not. Right, zero. <laughs> None. So here's what we do. We, If I remember correctly, back from uh, psychology courses in college, they would call that a false alternative. Mm-hmm. Like You're literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. Well, the false alternative is like, it's not really a rock in a hard place. It's you, you are going to agree with that statement n- because the alternative is saying, uh, no, I don't think it is time for the federal government to step up. They shouldn't step up. Why would I want them to step up? I don't like it when the federal government steps up. In fact, I don't like it when anybody helps me out. No one says that. Right. So instead you go, yeah, cool. Of course. Right. But it's not cause and effect. No, it's not because it's not just public school students that suffered. Correct. It's not. So, the last thing, and I'm probably skirting on this issue at this point, I saw um, a lawsuit filed by, and I think this might be class action federally. I don't, well, I don't know if you could because these are state decisions. I don't have it up in front of me. But it was a lawsuit by gymnasium suing, and it, uh, this wasn't in the state of Michigan. Okay. Maybe in New York. Okay. And I thought this was a great point. And it could be wrong still, but it's a good point point right they're suing over the fact that they're still closed down okay and here was their point we are shut down 
We're lumped in with some other industries. Give us statistical data that shows, especially now that the government has tracing. Mm-hmm. A lot of states now have tracing for the coronavirus. Right. Show us, and we know that to be the case because what happened at, what was it, Harper's Bar in East Lansing. Correct. Yeah, they traced the snot out of that. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if you saw, what's it called, Lakewood Forest or something like that at the Double J Resort? They traced something up there recently, too. There was some giant lake party. Nope, that was oh. at the Diamond Lake in okay. Cass County. I don't know. And but. there's the tracing that's happening in Traverse City. Correct. So we have tracing. Yeah. They said, what statistical data do you have to show that gyms are increasing or COVID. have contributed to the spread of COVID? And the response that they're going to get is zero. I don't know the response they're going to get, but I thought it was a great point. Well, I mean, they didn't really start tracing and they shut gyms down. Okay. So there you go. There's a false alternative. We haven't contributed to it at all. Actually, I think in this case, though, I wish I had it up. I thought in this case it was in a state where gyms had gotten open and now they're getting closed again. Okay. And that could be. That My could be whole wrong. thought is, is, I mean, how many gyms do you go to where they're not constantly wiping down machines anyway before this? And here's the thing. If you're in a gym, you stink, right? Yep. You smell. You're I don't w- go out near anybody when no. I'm in a gym. I don't want to talk to anybody. You, I don't want to be by anybody. I get it. You breathe a little hard, but you, I mean, people in a gym are already in the habit of wiping things down. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, that's something I don't understand. And I'm not saying I'm right. I don't understand it. And I don't think bars should be closed down either. Okay. Correct. But that you open a bar before you open a gym. I'm sorry. People are significantly closer to each other in a bar than they are in a yeah. gym. The problem I have with a lot of this is that, I, and by no means am I saying that I don't want to stop the spread, deaden the curve and all these different, you know, popular sayings we have out there right now. But if if I go someplace as a patron, let's say I go into a, a restaurant because I mm-hmm. saw this uh, last week and you see other people not wearing masks and you want a mask, doesn't... Now, what the argument there is that now you've put yourself in an environment, right, Mm -hmm. that's at higher risk. Fair? That's the argument. That if I have a mask and you don't have a mask, now you're putting me at somewhat of risk. Right. Patron walked out. Okay. The business lost. Exactly. That business lost out. Right. But if that person chooses not to wear a mask and you choose to wear a mask, how is it that they are the one, you know, suddenly they are the 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 next bigot you know they're they're up there with hitler almost right because your mask is going to protect the bulk of your health and now you can say well but you know that person not wearing a mask now they get it and they contribute to others yeah but they're contributing to others who are also taking that risk and understand that risk are we not at a point now that we understand correct there's a risk correct is there risk to smoking yes but people do it there's a risk to drinking People do it. Isn't, I mean, there's a risk to... There's a risk to driving a car. There's a risk to jogging on the road. And and I'm not... Right. Obviously, there's a different degree of risks. There's I really different do, I really, angles. I don't need a Twitter monger person going, you know, I'm not downplaying these the risk of COVID. And I get it that if somebody close to us died of it, I'm not going to be happy. I, I understand all that. But here's what I'm struggling with. So when you wear a mask and you want to wear a mask to protect yourself and stop the spread and do all that stuff and be a big part of a bigger good, you have the right to go to a restaurant. And mm-hmm. if people aren't adhering to that, to leave. 
Correct. You have a right to to wear that mask. You have a right to not be a patron at any business or be around people who don't do those same things as what you're doing. Correct. And yet, if somebody's not wearing a mask, that's impeding on your individual liberties. No. But that's the argument. Correct. So what they're doing affects you, even though if you're wearing the mask, we already know if the mask is what prevents it from spreading, then your opportunity of getting it is far mitigated. In fact, if you're that worried, then you can socially distance even more. Right. And if you and it's obvious and it's not obvious who has the disease or the virus, but it's obvious who's not wearing a mask. Correct. And so if you have a mask, and you don't want to be around people not wearing a mask. It's very clear on who doesn't. It's very easy then to socially distance yourself from those people. Correct. So if by them not wearing a mask, it impedes on your individual liberties. Then how is it not the same argument the other way around? Forcing people to wear one. Correct. I'm really struggling with. Right. And I'm not, you know what? I think it's the stupidest rule, law. Now, the mask isn't a law, it's a rule. But we have a law in Michigan that says you don't have to wear a helmet while on a motorcycle. Yeah. We have a law in Michigan that says you have to wear a seatbelt in a car. Why why can you go screaming down the highway at 100 miles an hour without your head covered, yep. but ride in a car as a passenger without a seat? We have a law a in Michigan that you can't text while drive. Right. Yet today I was running late. I was on uh, Wood TV this morning for a, a thing about mm-hmm. advisors, and I didn't have my tie on. So we're halfway there, and I... And I you put your tie on while you were driving. Sure you? did. <laughs> There's no law against it. Right. Right. I've seen people open it. It's distracting. I've seen people brush their teeth or shave their face while they're... I saw some lady trying to put eyeliner on her face while driving. Now, guess what? That terrified I me. I also had to bring you home today because we were out somewhere and the, the truck battery was dead. Doesn't matter. But it, it messed up my morning. So the kids didn't get food. So we stopped at McDonald's on the way. Mm-hmm. So we ate that on the way. That's distracting too. Correct. So I'm guessing your whole point with this rant... You were part of it. Far less than than you were. But anyways, is why is it considered a liberty infringement on one end of the spectrum, i.e. people are not wearing masks, but it's not considered an infringement on somebody's liberties by forcing them to wear one. Right. And why, why is it okay on one end of the spectrum? Like, I'm sorry. Why is it okay to jam-pack a street full of thousands of people to protest, yeah. but it's not okay to jam-pack a bar full of, full of thousands of people? Why is it okay to make people wear a seatbelt to save lives, but not a helmet to save lives? Correct. Why is it okay to ban texting because it's distracting to save lives? But it's not okay to ban eating, tying a tie. Tying a tie. Shaving your face, putting on eyeliner. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I'd rather have somebody look up and text then have their face shoved in a mirror trying to put eyeliner on mm-hmm. their eye while they're driving and the thing and how angry people are getting about this Correct. and i'm not angry about this and when somebody I, i've been out places and didn't have a mask and i've had some people say something i just kind of move on but that's what we have to do now we all have our liberties we all have what we think is right and wrong but it's like we're treating each other like you're from ohio Maybe right. you are, and you're getting what's justly so, but most of us aren't. Right. And we all have our individual liberties, and we have those rights. And you have the right, if you're wearing a mask and you see some somebody who's not, to leave. I can 
honestly to walk say, around them. I can honestly say, and maybe it's because we're a small business, I have not had a single person come in and yell and scream about mask wearing or not. People walk in with a mask, we put one on. Half the time they're like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm just doing it to be respectful. Yeah, I've seen some people go way off the deep end on it. Correct. And act like anyone who's not following that, though, is contributing to the death of society. Right. But my point to that was people on, at least on my little corner of the world, are being respectful about it. They're not saying, oh my gosh, you don't have a mask on. Right. Yet, if I don't, if I come out of my office without a mask on... I still stand six feet back. But the argument shouldn't be, do they work or do they not? Because if they work and you're wearing one, you're fine. Right. And if they don't and you're wearing one, oh well. Right. But we all have those individual choices that we have. So that's all the time we have for today. It's been another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts. God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Finances with Michael and Vanessa Markey. Want to listen to past shows or get in touch with Michael or Vanessa? Head over to twitter.com slash fireproofshow or go to fireproofradio.net. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to GRMusicLessons.com. That's GRMusicLessons.com.